Welcome, everyone. This is Michael Blue, and you've connected to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, the podcast, where we are cultivating makers and shapers of culture. Prepare for a riveting time in the principles and practices of the King and of His Kingdom. You are about to be charged, challenged, and changed. I know you're ready. Let's go. That's what I love about, listen, that's what I love about the Fellowship of Canaan Professionals. Um, It's not just the preachers who will preach. (laughs) It's not just those that have licenses and collars and and ordination credentials. They'll, They'll give you a word because it comes out of their walk with God, not just out of their formal uh positions and so uh i i'm very godly proud of our kingdom professionals i really am um please never misunderstand the preaching ministry is a call of god it is a blessed unique call of god and it is it is an essential call of god but you see, one of the things that makes it so essential is that we are called, we are called to equip others. We are called to strengthen and provoke and develop others in their calling. I'm called, hear this, your pastor, your uh, apostle, your bishop, wh- whoever has responsibility to you and for you listen to me he or she is called to your calling that man or woman of god is called to your calling his or her calling is your fulfillment of yours it's almost like very much like the scenario in which um there's that situation in which uh, educators, teachers have been asked in in conversation. There's a, a group of classmates who come back from from uh, from life to their 10th or 15th or 20th reunion, class reunion. And one is an attorney, one is an engineer, one is a doctor, and one is a teacher. And so the attorney is asked, how much do attorneys make? And you know, he goes up in the figures. How much do engineers make? She goes up in the digits. What, what, do, uh, what do doctors make? They go into the figures. And then all of them look at the teacher and say, what, what does a teacher make? And the teacher thinks for a minute and then says, we make everything else. We make attorneys. We make engineers. We make doctors. We make everything else. You understand? And so when you measure the impact of a minister of the gospel, a pastor, a fivefold minister, our responsibility, our calling 
is your calling. We're called to your calling. We're called to the fulfillment of your calling. We're called for the equipping, your equipping to fulfill God's purpose for your life. And that I love. I believe there's somebody else who loves it as well. That we're called to your calling. All right. So we're called to your calling. I'm talking about the fivefold ministry now. I use the teacher as an illustration, the educator as an illustration, that he or she is called to see to it that you fulfill yours. All right. So I think that's great news. What I was what I was about to say when I went into that side journey is that we do not make light of the clergy or of the fivefold ministry calling. That's that's God. However, however, it is always a blessing when we understand that not only is the clergy person called, but all of God's people are called to fulfill a destiny. And so when we begin to interact with you and help you to understand the aspects of your assignment, uh, this is not just some little trivial matter. It's a part of our calling. We're called to your calling. Put that in the comments, if you will. I don't know, you know, whoever your pastor is or your, whoever your, uh, spiritual mother, father, mentor is, that man or that woman is called to your calling. My preacher, my pastor, my what have you, is called to my calling. That's it. That's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. All right? And so what we're supposed to do is to help you discover and then be equipped to fulfill your calling. I am called to your calling. Whoever that man or that woman is, who is your fivefold ministry leader in the kingdom of God, he or she is called to your calling. Can you see it? He or she is called to your calling. So if you don't succeed, he hasn't succeeded. If you don't succeed, she hasn't succeeded. If you don't become, then he has not fulfilled the God assignment that's upon his or her life. I'd love to press into that some more, but, uh, but time won't necessarily permit that. But get that now. Get that now. The purpose of the preaching and of the teaching and all those things that happen in the execution of that man or that woman's assignment, he or she is called to your calling. You may be called to plumbing. You may be called to masonry. You may be called to law, engineering, medicine, things we mentioned earlier. But whatever that calling is, that man or that woman is called to your calling. Don't, don't try to make 
don't try to make him or her something that God didn't. If they add on, that's great. As long as it doesn't take away from the primary. We're going to pray over you. And then we're going to go into our discussion for today, which is a bit light. Um, and so let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you've made it possible for us to come together this morning, soon to be afternoon. We know that without you, we are nothing. We know that without you, we can do nothing. But with you, all things are possible to him that believeth. Lord, we do believe. And we ask that you help thou our unbelief. We know that without you, Lord, we are nothing. We know that you are our king. We know that you are our Lord. We know, God, that it is you that have made us and not we ourselves. And we ask that you would guide your people, that you would direct your people for your glory, honor, and praise. Let no weapon that is formed against them prosper. Let every tongue that rise against them in judgment be condemned. I pray for these professionals in their areas of calling. Lord, whatever gift and whatever talent and whatever ability that you've placed within them, I ask that you would let that thing proliferate. Let it come forth. Let it, oh God, become all that you've ordained. And as we are in this season of Thanksgiving, we say thank you to you. We thank you for keeping us from last year this time to this year. Thank you for the whole armor of God. Thank you for the washing in the precious blood of Jesus. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the word of God that guides. And thank you for lives that are being lived on purpose. Be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have the privilege I have the privilege of sharing in, um, if you include prayer, I was saying that in the first session, if you include Saturday morning prayer, um, I have the privilege of being um, in six sessions, hosting six sessions um, this week, this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And the one that was a, a real blessing to me uh, all of them were blessing, but but a comment that I made in in one of them is the um, men session, in which we talked about the second most important thing that I could share with them is a sense of purpose, a sense of purpose, because what I said to them is that there are many, there are many settings in which people are living and some even died without knowing and having a sense of divine purpose. And I'm going to ask you again, how many of you would say that a large percentage of the people you know if not all of them, or most of them, not all, most, 
if if you would uh okay i'm probably you know i hate to do it but i'm probably going to have to drop this particular participant bless your dear darling heart all right so there you go at least on this particular platform all right so I was saying that the majority of the people that I've encountered down through my years, when we start talking about purpose and destiny, God's calling on their lives, the majority of the ones I encountered, they say things like, I wish I knew my purpose. I'm still trying to find my purpose. What you think my purpose is? That's what I've experienced. How about you? What's been your experience along those lines? The majority of the people that I encounter um, are those who do not have a sense of purpose and destiny. And I use the term destiny. Purpose is really because you, you're not going to make it to destiny. You know, that's the, the outcome. If you don't even get the. Uh, if you don't get the purpose piece right. And so. um there are many people who live their lives and don't have a sense of purpose. How about you? Uh, respond. Thank you, Pastor Roberts. Others of you in the comments, share with me whether or not it's been your experience. Share with me if it's been your comment or your experience, excuse me, if it's been your experience that many of the people that you have seen are uh, and encountered many of them, there is no, uh, there's no sense, real sense, conscious sense of purpose. I want to see your comments concerning that. Okay, so it seems fairly common. It seems fairly common. And so if there is not a sense of calling, if there is not a sense of purpose, then how can an individual live intentionally? How is an individual going to have direction in his life when he or she has no clue concerning God's intent? You know, God made me. Yes, he did. But for what? God created me, but for what? And then there are those, you know, who know a little bit of uh, the be fruitful and multiply. So maybe they get the impression that God created people just for procreation. But, but no, there's the majority of the individuals that I've encountered in conversation not only not only the unsaved but even the saved the vast majority of the ones with whom i've interacted have not had a sense of purpose the majority i didn't say all i said the majority and so i was just wondering if um if it's been like that with you um that you you encounter lots of people 
who really don't have a sense of purpose. But you know, it's that sense of purpose that keeps you moving, that keeps you persevering, that keeps you striving, that keeps you even living. I've noticed, I've noticed that, uh, and particularly among among males. Now, this doesn't mean that that is not true with females, but I've seen it among males that when they have gotten older that they struggled with a sense of purpose and identity. I've known, I've watched as a child, I've watched older men who worked rugged jobs Heavy job. Bless you, Sister Mar. I see your name now. Um, but I, I had to go to another device because I don't see it in the stream yard. Um, and I've watched them work hard jobs, difficult, arduous jobs, and never miss a day of work. Rain, shine, sleet, snow. Never miss a day always hardy, always moving. But then I saw that when they got to the point of retirement, they got to social security retirement age or their job retirement age or whatever it was, and they left the job. I've watched those same men begin to decline in their health so quickly, exponentially. And two or three years, maybe four years, they've got all these ailments and they're gone. They've gone off the face of the earth. Now, how was it and why was it that they were able to live those rugged lives? Some of them even had self-destructive habits, smoking and drinking and so forth, but they lived those rugged lives and they, they executed those rugged jobs and kept doing it, kept doing it. But then when they left that job, they declined. I, I, I sincerely believe it's because it was that job that gave them a sense of purpose. A, they gave their lives a sense of meaning. And when they no longer have that, they no longer had a definition. Who am I? What am I? Why am I? And when that was taken from them, their reason to live, their reason to persevere was taken from them. It wasn't long before they were gone. And so I want to tell you that it is critical for all of us to have a real sense of purpose because there's something about having a sense of purpose, having a sense of intentionality, having a sense of significance that thing will sustain you. All right? Bless you, Brother Williams. Good to see you. I said that sense of belonging, that sense of intending, that sense of meaning, it will sustain an individual. It'll cause him or her to persevere. It even helps with the physiology and the psychology, of course. All right. So 
Uh, and, and, and Sister Duncan, I saw your comment as well. Uh, let me go back to it. Um, many people think God can only use them in a position in the local church. They can't see God use them in their daily lives. That's absolutely true. And that's why FKP exists. And I, I trust that you understand that. That's one of the reasons why FKP exists, to say to men and to women, to say to them that God's purpose for your life is far bigger than the worship center, as powerful. I, see, that's why I took the time to say at the beginning that the worship center and those of us who serve in that setting is a very vital aspect of who we are and of God's plan, God's intent, God's economy. We cannot understate the power of the preaching of the gospel, the teaching of the word, the worship experience. But it's just that that's not the whole life that impacts the whole life, but that's not the whole existence that God has ordained for his people. And just as there are those who are called to specialize in that context, there are many, many others, even the majority, that are called to specialize in other aspects of a whole God-honoring life. A whole God-honoring life. Uh, Dr. Gerard, one of the things that has to happen, I, I believe, is that we must, we must do our best to keep them with something to do, that they must continue to have a sense of ability, a sense of responsibility. In other words, um, sometimes we see well-meaning children, whether they're biological children or nieces, nephews, but well-meaning children who will take all responsibility from their parents, from their mothers and fathers. All right. They can't drive anymore. They don't cook anymore. Um, they don't do anything for themselves anymore. And the intention of the children or of the nieces, nephews or whomever is honorable, very honorable. But if that man or that woman has been a mover and a shaker in life all his or her years. And now you're going to tell me that I reduced almost to child status. See, that's what they hear in their mind. I can't do anything anymore. I can't do anything with myself anymore. Then of what use am I? And so they decline sometimes in their physical health. Sometimes they decline, decline in their mental health. And some of them go into areas of depression and because they don't think of it as depression, sometimes they don't know they're, they're depressed. And then some of them just depart this life. The old preacher still needs to preach. The old singer still needs to sing. The old worker still needs to work. Obviously, they may not be able to do things exactly as they once did it, but they need that sense of responsibility because that gives them a sense of self-importance or of significance or of purpose, which is what we're talking about here. Can you see that? 
Yeah, it really is important. And I know it's difficult, Sister uh, Sylvia Elizabeth Long. I can imagine that it's difficult because on the one hand, you don't want anybody turning on the stove and and and, and the potential is they, they can forget it, burn the house down. So certainly you have to put some limits there. But whatever you can do to help them to, listen, it's a sense of dignity. It's a sense of honor. I cannot overemphasize the fact that human beings need a sense of honor, of being honored, as well as giving honor. And the sense of being honored, that, that sense of honor coming toward him or her helps uh, affirm and sustain a sense of dignity. Dignity, self-respect. I have some worth left. I have some worth left. Can you see that? So that's my response to the question, that whenever you're dealing with an elderly person and you see that decline look like it's on the brink, that's one thing that you could do that could possibly uh, hinder or stave off the onset of that decline. Does that make sense to you? They need something that they consider meaningful to do. They need something that they consider meaningful to do. All right. Well, we have been talking about in this series, we've been in a series. <clears throat> so Sandra Brown Bennett, I'm intrigued by that. She said, I'm about to retire. And I was thinking about this last week. That's, that's intriguing to me because Miss Bennett or Sister Bennett or whatever your title is, you will need something. You will need something that validates within you your worth as a human being, your worth as a contributor to society. You look at all these old politicians. Um, old professionals, many times that's what's going on. As long as they can stay engaged, they continue to live. But 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 whenever there's no no reason for me, no use for me. I see it. I see it, Dr. Long. I got it now. There, there, I see it. Okay. Excellent. See it? This is a good illustration. Her father's 99 years old. She allows him to bathe and dress himself, but they dare not allow him to cook or drive. He can still teach and preach. See, and, and, and if that's his element, he's good. He's good. As long as he can do what he believes he was born to do. See, that'll keep him. All right. You, you see it. So, We've been in this series, the series entitled Knowing Your Assignment or Knowing My Assignment. We've dealt with nine components. Know your sender, know yourself, know your superior. We're talking in the context of a system. Know your skills. That is your gift set. Know your service. 
Know your scope. Who is it to whom I'm assigned? Know your schedule. How long do I have to complete this assignment? Know your satisfaction. What is it that is the outcome, the proper expected outcome? And know your successors. Those nine components have been the areas that we have focused on. I want to take you back to where we were in the last session. That is the successors. We were talking about the successors. All right. We talked about John the Baptist and John the Baptist has two successor categories. First, he has the exclusive category, Jesus. Jesus is his successor. He said in the third chapter of the Gospel of John concerning Jesus, he must increase and I must decrease. Okay, you know what? This 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 prior topic, this prior aspect, I'm going to have to stay there just a little bit longer. All right, Dr. Sherrod gives us a very sobering report. One of her former principals dropped dead two days after. I want you to understand why why I'm 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 smiling. I'm not smiling because the lady or the man dropped dead. I'm smiling because Dr. Sherrod always has the most dramatic illustration. Whatever it is, whatever it is that is being um, illustrated, Dr. I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's because it's Macon or whether it's just Dr. Sherrod, but she almost always has some of the most dramatic experiences. Um, even when the enemy shows up, it's always a dramatic work of the enemy, and then God uses her to do a dramatic counteracting of what it is that he does. So that's the only reason why I'm smiling. It's a tragic situation, but my God, two days after retirement, isn't that something? Your sense of purpose in God cannot be overstated. Now, yes, we can we can uh, exaggerate and have a convoluted sense of ourselves, but uh, your purpose in God cannot be overstated. Then someone else asked a question, is this why older professionals become consultants? Yeah, that's the Bible. Did you know that God called for the Levites to serve in their Levitical capacity from eight, it started at age 30 to 50, and then it moved from age 20 to 50. And after 50, they were to be consultants. They were to instruct the other Levites about how to keep the tabernacle or the temple. Those who are musical, obviously, would how to do the music and so forth. So yes, that's absolutely so. See, God is so wise. God is so wise that he knew that when those Levites retired from their active duty of carrying the tabernacle and, and cleaning out the sacrifices and all that kind of thing, they would still need to be gainfully uh, engaged. And so, yes, he set up a quote-unquote retirement system in which they step out of one phase of engagement into another phase of engagement. So, yes, that's exactly why older professionals become consultants. That's actually the way God set it up. Not that you have to be inactive, but the wisdom that you've accrued by experience, along with whatever you've gained in your 
academics and so forth, bring all of that to bear on the next generation to empower them. Brother Millhouse says he has a coworker that has a government pension, has worked for over 50 years and won't retire <laughs> and enjoy the fruits of her labor. She's afraid that she will fade away if she does not work. Isn't that something? Wow, 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 wow. You know what? You all are making this a more powerful session. You know, I mentioned some of this sort of in passing, but you are actually bringing this to be a very, very uh, poignant conversation. The consulting part is what's missing. It is a major part of what's missing, even in terms of ministry, even in terms of ministry. We, and, and then in, in some other settings, when a person can't necessarily perform as he or she used to perform because of maybe physical limitations or what have you, sometimes we have blackballed that individual and said that he or she doesn't have anything anymore. When in actual fact, it is not necessarily God's plan for every person to remain in that same high level of engagement. You know, we've been talking about the Giants series. Some of you have been with us in the preaching and teaching concerning uh, where giants die. And you will recall that in the book of 2 Samuel, we have the episode where David is in hand-to-hand -hand combat. David is in hand-to-hand -hand combat, and the Bible says that uh, there is a giant who attempts to kill David. And verse 17 says, Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, succored or helped him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Listen to this statement. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle that thou quench not the light of Israel. In other words, what they were saying is that you, David, you give us the battle strategies. You give us the war strategies. But we don't need you out here engaged in hand-to-hand -hand combat anymore because it's too risky. We want the rest of your life to be long and strong. So let us do what you do. In other words, let us do what you're doing now. You've already taught us how to do that. So let us do what we can do that you do so that you can do what nobody else is qualified to do. Let us replicate you in the areas where we can so that in those areas where you have no duplicate, you can continue to serve us and even serve us more efficiently because now you don't have the distraction of trying to keep up with us. Thank you, uh, Co-Pastor Bellamy. Powerful comment there. Powerful comment. Sister Howard says her mother not so long ago had a stroke and was encouraged to retire so that she can take it easy but she was so adamant about going back to work because she enjoyed what she does. God healed her body and she did in fact go back to work and is almost as strong as she was before. I believe God that she will continue to get stronger every day. Every day, Sister Howard, every day. Excellent illustration. Thank you, Sister Amara. Can you see it? 
I have an ex-coworker retired after 48 years and asked the job if she could take some of the equipment home with her so that she'll have something to do. Absolutely so. Absolutely so. That's right, Sister uh, Dr. Sherrard. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Wow. This is this is all that uh, assignment lesson being illustrated in a particular vein. That man or that woman has discovered his or her assignment and does not want to be detached entirely from it because it has become a lifeline. That's right, Sister Nicole. That's exactly right. Even though she's approaching 80, that's right. No, you don't limit, you don't limit her. No, because that's her lifeline. And so <laughs> oh my. Mrs. Burger, you're very kind. Thank you. Let me see. Brother Milhouse says, is it ever a case where it's too young to start preparing your replacement? Um, I think it could be. I think that it could be possible that it's too early. Um, and that is when you're not clear yourself, it might be too early. But it's never too early to start sharing what you do know. Okay. It might not be too early. Um what I mean, Brother Milhouse, is that if you're really not sure about how your calling operates and maybe you're dealing with some things that later are going to be cleared up, but right now you're sort of speculating, you don't want to fill somebody else with speculation as though it were actual fact. And now they've got to unlearn what you improperly taught them. And so there is a level of maturity that the teacher needs to have before the students are brought into the classroom. Um, so Bell, uh, Pastor Bellamy, that's exactly what we're saying. That's exactly what we're saying. We're saying that detaching from one's assignment entirely, oh, very definitely detrimental to the physical, mental, and all the other aspects of their health. Okay, remember now, there's a difference between a job and the work. You may not have the same job forever, but the work goes on until you leave the earth. See, uh, we were talking about John the Baptist last time. And even when John the Baptist was in prison, what was his primary work? Prepare the nation for Messiah and prepare and present Messiah to the nation. What was the last thing that he did in the text that we read, when he sent his disciples to Jesus saying, tell us, are you he that should come or do we look for another? What did John do? He sent those men to Jesus, not so much because he was doubting. He sent those men to Jesus because he knew they were doubting. And he wanted to make sure that by the time he left, they were prepared for Messiah and that he, by letting them see Jesus do the miracles and so forth and preach the gospel, had presented Messiah to them. Even though he was in the prison, he was still preparing people for the Messiah and presenting the Messiah 
to the people. Can you see that? You never, you never cease to flow in that vein that God called you, but you may not flow in the same manner. Your kingdom of God assignment is perennial and perpetual. All right. Um, I want to say this because this really sums up uh, the purpose of this conversation. You know, we began talking about purpose. We began this session talking about the fact that uh, a sense of purpose and calling is vital to a life. We began this session talking about the fact that we as pastors are called to your calling if you happen not to be a pastor. Because just as we are called to fivefold ministry, you are called to some aspect of culture, some aspect of society, and the same God who called us called you. And you've heard me say before, but I'm going to say again, that we didn't always know this. People misquoted the scripture and even more detrimentally misapplied the scripture where they said that God said, come eat out from amongst them and be ye separated, saith the Lord. That's not what he said. He did not tell us that our existence was to be a separated existence. He said in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, Separate, saith the Lord. And I've stated it this way. It was the D that damned us. It was the D that doomed us. It was the D that duped us. It was the D that was most detrimental to us. Because we thought that what God said in this word was that we were not to be engaged in, quote, the secular. We were not to be engaged in politics, in law, in the military, in science, in entertainment, Lord God, in athletics. We were not supposed to be involved. And we were cheated by Satan, who is the liar, from the fulfillment of our God-given assignments because we were told that God gives no assignments outside the house, the physical domicile, the physical worship center, that God has no assignments outside there. But aren't you grateful for a fellowship of kingdom professionals? Aren't you grateful for a kingdom of God perspective that whatever gifts, whatever interests, whatever inventivenesses, whatever innovations that he has placed within you, those things are indicative of his calling upon your life when he said, go into all the world, not just go onto all the earth, but 
into all the world, all the various aspects of the system that we call the world. He said, go into those aspects with my power, with my word, with my character, with my anointing. And when you get there, when the doors open for you to get there, when the tables are set for you to sit there, there, preach the gospel. Preach it first by being competent in your calling. Preach it secondly by living a lifestyle that is distinct from the corruption of the world. And then thirdly, when those doors open, open your mouth and say that Jesus is Lord. Those three components is what are comprised, what he desires to happen when you go into all the world. Competence, then conscientiousness in your living, and then communicate the gospel with word and with the confirmation of supernatural signs. Competence, conscientious character, communication, and confirmation. Those are the means by which when we go into all the world, we ought to preach the gospel. All right. That's your assignment. We're closing now. Thank you. Thank you for sharing with us. And by the grace of God, we will join you and be joined by you next Monday. Until such time, until we meet again, this is Michael Blue of the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals encouraging you to go forth today and lead. Make the name of Jesus Christ glorious. Make the career of Satan ever more brief and ever more miserable. Together we shall bring pleasure to Christ's heart and fame to him. Until we meet again, may the peace of God go with you. Thank you for listening to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, FKP, the podcast. If you'd like more engagement, click the link in the show notes to join like-minded professionals in the FKP Facebook group. Follow us at Bishop M.A. Blue on all platforms. Also join the FKP Weekly Conversation Live every Monday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Finally, be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. May God bless you until we meet again.